Ladies and gentlemen, to a bonus episode of the Top Dog Talk podcast, back here alongside Dan Kylie. Dan, how's it going? What a week it has been. Man, this has been an absolutely whirlwind of a week for Atlanta sports. And I, you know, when you were texting me earlier, I was like, hey, dude, we got to We got to get on and say something. We got we got, you know, while it's fresh and in uh, a topic that everybody wants to talk about right now, let's let's get it. Absolutely. We've had a lot of news break unexpectedly over the last few days since we recorded on Monday, which made us want to do this. We've had tweets back and forth between each other, been sharing stuff all week long. And let's let's kick it off right with what started this whirlwind of week. Freddie Freeman, the former Atlanta Braves first baseman. Dan, you were spot on Monday with your take about Freddie tried to get the leverage with the Braves to get a new offer using the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Rays to try and get that six year and it did not pan out. I want to get your thoughts on what has transpired since with Freeman. And if you can't summarize your take on Monday. So my take was on Monday was that Freddie was trying to capitalize on the sentimentality of the Atlanta fan base organization that we were the sentimental people. We know he's our guy. He, came up ever since he was a baby-faced puppy, basically, and rose through the program and was the face of this franchise and that we would do whatever it takes to keep him. What he failed to realize was that it was the business that Alex Anthopoulos is one of the top GMs in the game, and he was not going to be left standing at the altar with nothing in his hand. And that was my take, that Alex did what he was supposed to do, which was protect the Braves, and Freddie overplayed his hand. He thought he had hand and he didn't. And that that would hurt them uh, long term. And it did. I mean, if you look at the deal that he got, there is money deferred for, I I want to say through 2036 or something like that. I mean, it, it, there was a bunch of money deferred. And if you take an account for inflation, the deal is actually less than what the Braves offered. So he went six years and got less than what the Braves were offering in five years. And then also, if you include the 13.5% tax from the state tax from the state of California, Freddie is getting taken to the cleaners on this deal. So at the end of the day, Freddie just didn't want to be in Atlanta. He wanted to be in LA. So that, 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 that was the gist of the take. And then total vindication. When Chipper Jones comes out today and says the exact same damn thing I said and almost verbatim, I was like doing handstands in my office today. Like, you got to be kidding me. Because, <laughs> I, I, you know, there were some people who were like, oh, your take is wrong. Freddie's an icon. Freddie is this and that and the other. And you should feel awful about this. And the Braves, go to hell, Braves. You're awful. And I was like, this isn't on the Braves. It's on Freddie. And Chipper said the same thing. So, I feel vindicated today. Absolutely. And it was Buster Olney, uh, an article from ESPN that I saw today, and I immediately sent it to you after reading it because it is, like you said, Chipper Jones saying, I, I, I saw Chipper was on 680 The Fan earlier today talking the situation. Uh, and then, but that was before, I, that was after I saw this absolute killer of an interview from Chipper talking about. Um, when he talked to Freeman back in August, uh, and I quote, I told him, if you go to free agency and get quartered by all the bid market teams, you're not coming back. That is the all-time Braves, I mean, all-time great third baseman for the Atlanta Braves, Chipper Jones, what he said to Freddie back in August, telling him directly what is going to happen, what did happen, that if he gets quartered by all these teams, the Braves will move on. They have a job to do. And Thopolis did his job, brought in, what, the only first baseman in the world that may be arguably better or just as good as Freeman at what he does. Uh, you can make the argument that he's better. He's younger. He's cheaper. Well, maybe not cheaper anymore, <laughs> uh, but you know, just uh, it, you couldn't have asked for a better situation for it to play out the way that it played out. You just really can't. Alex had a job to do, which was secure that position whether it be Freeman, which is what everybody wanted, or Olsen, and he did. And, you know, in a twist of irony, which I didn't realize on Monday because it hadn't happened yet, the introductory press conference hadn't happened at the time, but uh, 
whenever Alex called BB Abbott, who just so happens to be Chipper Jones's best friend and agent, he says, we are going to have a new deal before that plane hits the ground. And I read the article today uh, from Buster only that you were talking about. I read the art, the whole thing where it played out the entire past year and the interaction between BB Abbott and Olsen was priceless. It was absolutely priceless because he had only made $6.1 million in his entire career. So he takes off on the plane and BB Abbott tells him, you better have Wi-Fi on that plane because I'm going to need you to respond back immediately. So he does. And when he tells him the deal that he got him, you know, eight years, $168 million, his response was, holy shit. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that response. But, you know, at the end of the day, he had a job to do. Freddie overplayed his hand. Now Freddie's trying to throw the Atlanta Braves on the bus, under the bus. And not that Chipper Jones needed to do anything else to endear himself to the Atlanta fans. He goes on the radio today and says, I never asked for more money. I was giving up money because this is my home. This is where I wanted to be. I didn't want to be anywhere else. I had everything I needed here. And that's why I did it the way I did it. Right. And, you know, his whole point was, if you want to be here, you got to be here. And then he stands up for the organization and refuses to allow somebody to throw him under the bus, even though he even said losing Freddie is like losing my little brother. So there's obviously a connection there, but he's not going to let Freddie off the hook and start throwing the Braves under the bus, making them look like they did everything wrong when that's not the case at all. So Chipper Jones, if he couldn't have been any higher in my book, went up like another 10 notches today because he just wasn't going to allow the bull crap to happen. And and you got to respect that out of your hall of fame, third baseman who has meant everything to this generation of fans. And I think when, you know, when it came to free agency, everyone expected that, yes, Freddie would be back. And I think Freddie even said in his introductory press conference that, yes, he thought he was going back to Atlanta one way or another. Uh, but as you said, you know, Chipper always took less money than he was worth. Chipper easily could have made a heck of a lot more money if, you know, he wanted to. And I think that's the big difference between Freddie and Chipper right now is, you know, instead of staying in Atlanta, wanting to be home in Atlanta, uh, you know, which – if you did, it was you have to take a pay cut and you don't get that six year, you know. But I, I think Anthopolis made the right move there. Obviously, uh, I mean, you, you you can't put that much money in a player after years of not having, I mean, that high of a payroll. I mean, the Braves, they, the Braves were going to handicap themselves if they gave Freeman a six year. That's my opinion. I don't know what your opinion is, but with Olsen, there's longevity there. There's youth there. There's numbers. I mean, the numbers are remotely identical, if not straightly, uh, if, if not straight up identical between the two. And, and Olsen, I, I think, is what, four or five years younger than Freeman? So he's 27 and Freddie's 33. And, yeah, I mean, that, that works out. Was that six years? Yeah. Um, I mean, they gave they gave him – they gave Olsen an eight-year – oh, are you talking about the age difference? Yeah, the age difference is six years. So if you're talking about an eight-year deal, it takes him to 35, where a 33-year-old player wanted a six-year deal, which takes him to 39, right? So it, it works out better for the Braves' long run. I mean, I don't think for a second that they didn't want Freddie back. But this works out better. It, for the Braves, it worked out better. It worked. Like I said this on Monday. It couldn't have worked out better for the Braves. If, you know, if you couldn't keep Freeman, if that wasn't a reasonable, you know, a reasonable situation, an attainable situation for you, Olsen is the next best option. And by next best, I don't mean that you're sacrificing anything because I think long term you're getting a better player and a better deal. To your point, you were talking about the Braves couldn't hamstring themselves, and they couldn't hamstring themselves. Not because they couldn't afford to be paying him that money. That's not it. They can't afford to be playing a player that type of money that's not on their roster. Because that remember, baseball is guaranteed money. The entire deal is guaranteed, every last penny of it. It's not like the NFL where you don't have to pay them. You can just cut them and you don't have to pay them. Now, the cap still hits you, but you don't actually have to pay the money. The Braves would have to pay the money. So 
if they felt like at 39 years old, Freddie Freeman was still going to be the exact same productive player he is today, they would have done it without hesitation. But that's not the case. That would have not been the case. Uh, steroids are not allowed in baseball anymore. So you're not going to be getting better years 38, 39, and 40 anymore like Barry Bonds and all those other guys. So not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> that's a whole other topic altogether. But... <laughs> As a comedian once said, I got 4D, I got 4K TV. I want to see these guys be giants. But, uh, you know, hey, yeah, I don't know that we have a whole ton more to add on Freeman, but it's just a vindication of it. Now that everything's kind of coming out in the wash, you got to give Alex Anthopoulos a lot of credit for what he did. And on the flip side of that, for being pretty classy, okay? He did not throw stones. He did not say the things that happened or did all that or the other. He just says, you know, unfortunately we're in it. We're not able to get it done. We wish him the best. We're going to miss him. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do. He did not throw stones. He didn't put the blame on anybody. Alex Tablos did none of that. Freddie is now throwing stones and that is a terrible look. And and you had a, a tweet. I'll let you go ahead and say what you tweeted out earlier, but I thought there was a, a there was a correlation there. And I think that was a pretty, pretty spot on, comparison by you go you might want to go ahead and tell them what you said the, the the tweet was basically comparing freddie freeman uh and his free agency to kevin durant's free agency back in 2016 uh after i mean what a lot of years i mean the majority of his career uh spent in okc in oklahoma city where you know obviously durant went back uh went into the free agency pool and decided uh, that he was not going to go back to Oklahoma City after taking him to the brink of almost making the finals, uh, except Steph Curry had a little bit uh, to say about that one before that. But, yes, KD went to the Warriors, obviously. Uh, some people say ruined basketball uh, for, for a good stretch there and uh, turned into the bad guy almost immediately. Uh, ever since then, he's never really been the same. He was kind of uh, putting it in pro wrestling terms. He was that baby face. You know, he'd never say a bad thing about the fans or the organization. Always went about his business the right way, just like Freddie Freeman was for such a long time. You know, the face of the franchise, did everything right, uh, and was beloved by everyone. Now he goes to L.A., sells out. uh, I I guess I can't. Well, he sells out for a big contract in L.A., goes to the Dodgers, his home, and it doesn't take but five minutes for him to go out the door and already start throwing a little shade at the Braves. I mean, you look at the PR hits on both these guys. Freeman from the Freeman perspective and from the Kevin Durant's perspective, you know, Kevin Durant made it pretty well known, you know, from the moment he left Oklahoma city to, you know, the end of his golden state run, he did not want to play in Oklahoma city. He had no intention of going back to Oklahoma city. He had his eyes on going, you know, making the super team, whether, whether that was with, you know, Seth Curry or somewhere else, that was where his intention was. And I think Freddie's the same way you win a world series with, you know, the team you've been with 15 years now, you know, after that, obviously you want to win another, but you aren't willing to take the money to do so the the pay cut to do so. So I I think in my book, Freeman's right in that Kevin Durant uh, comparison right now. I think, you know, he he is going to be a villain. Um, You know, I'm I'm interested to see what happens when the Dodgers come to Truist Park, uh, you know, this season and, and what that reception is to Freddie Freeman. Uh, that's June. Go ahead and get your tickets now. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be interesting in itself, you know, because obviously, you know, Durant's return to Oklahoma City wasn't pretty. Cupcake signs galore. I can only imagine the signs that may be brought to Truist Park when Freeman well, returns. I would say the only difference in the saving grace for Freddie is that Freddie won a title here, okay, he was the lone guy. He was the he was the one guy that survived all of those lean years and was always the face of the franchise, did a really good job of staying positive, always accountable, would always stand up and answer all the hard questions. So he's got a lot of goodwill built up there. And more so, he won the title here before he goes to the evil empire. Now, Kevin Durant could never win anything on his own, so he joined a 73-win team. The number one team, the greatest team in the history of basketball, that's the team that he decided to join, okay? So that's where your comparison kind of falls apart a little bit, but I'm still going to give you props. It's, it's a good 
it's a good comparison. The only saving grace for Freddie is that he stayed here, won the title, and now he's going to go join one of the most ridiculous lineups you've ever seen in your entire life. I swear to God, if they don't win uh, uh, the World Series this year, they ought to blow up the entire stadium. I mean, that's the most ridiculous – that is the most ridiculous lineup I've ever seen in my life. And Freddie's a good clubhouse guy too, so it's not like he's going to go out there, become a diva, and blow up the clubhouse. That's not going to happen. Freddie's probably going to be a calming effect uh, in that clubhouse for them. So, you know, like Chipper said, there's a chance that he actually goes out to L.A. and wins three of the next six World Series out there. And, you know, there, there's a real possibility – but if that's what you wanted to do, then just say that's what you wanted to do. There's no reason to badmouth the franchise or do all that stuff on the way out. Just say, hey, listen, I'm a West Coast kid. I, I did everything I could do here. I want, I, you know, My goal was to win the World Series. I was able to accomplish that. Now I want to move on to L.A. My wife wants to be an a, a influencer and, and a socialite, and she can do it better out in L.A. I think the Braves fans across the board – would have had more respect for him in that regard than the way that he's choosing to do it now. I don't hate the guy for wanting to be in L.A. If that's where he wants to be, just be honest about it. That's all. I, I didn't like the big thing for me was uh, when he was asked about Anthopolis crying or well, choking up when talking about the Matt Olson trade, kind of just nudged it off and said, you know, like, like yeah, I saw it, but, you know, I, I got something to say, but, I, you know, I'm not going to say it um, type deal. Throwing, throwing more shade at the problem. And then revealing, like, hey, you know, obviously had his feelings hurt when the Braves only reached out to him in his in his own words twice. They reached out to him before the lockout and right after the lockout. That was the only two times he said they he was contacted by them directly. Uh, well, and I know most – I mean, one of them must have been uh, Brian Snicker because Snicker said earlier this week, the first time he spoke to Freeman, you know, since the parade was this past week. Well, I call bullshit on that because – you can't speak to him during the lockout. You're not allowed to. There's no communication allowed during the lockout. So, you know, oh, they called me the day before the lockout and the day the lockout ended. Well, when the hell else were they supposed to call you, Freddie? And according to Chipper, that's bull crap because he said that's the only time since the season ended that they talked was then and then. They were He was offered a contract three different times. So, I mean, I don't know what to say. Like, it's just... There are certain you wanted a wellness checkup. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I don't. You're not allowed to call him during the lockout. So, what did you expect, Freddie? And you know, like like Freddie said, uh, like Chipper said on the radio today, he said there was some miscommunication and there were some things done. Uh, uh, well, I don't can't remember the way that he phrased it, but basically, there was some shady stuff going on, and it wasn't double A. And that's the way Freddie. That's the way Chipper left it. So. Listen, uh, when Chipper's on your side, you feel pretty good about it. And again, I, I don't want to beat this. I don't, I don't want our listeners to be like, all right, guys, we get the point. We understand. So let's move on to another subject that has got the world popping off today. Got people getting death threats on Twitter because he's talking about this and that and the other. There's spaces going on. Some fat guy from Ohio, the uh, uh, offseason something or another, talking about, ah! I was like, oh my goodness, what are you doing? Ian Raffaport jumping in in people's Twitter spaces? Oh, how about that Matt Ryan stuff, Harrison? How about how could the Falcons F this up that bad? You got to be kidding me. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and say something because I'm coming in hot. So you go ahead and, and, and give me your thoughts on this real quick. My take on this whole Matt Ryan thing is this relationship, <clears throat> excuse me, this relationship's done. Toasted, gone, out the door. He's already packing his bags, going to wherever he goes. And the one place I want to see Matt Ryan go, and I know Pat McAfee wants a guy up there that won't check out of runs, but shoot, when you got a guy like Matt Ryan, give the man the uh, give the man the authority to check out of runs. He knows what he's doing. I want to see Matt Ryan go to Indianapolis. They got a heck of a squad, and as a Cowboy fan, I would hate it because, I mean, I, you know, I would love. I don't want to see this NFL get any any more loaded. I mean, you look at this free agency, it's been wild. Absolutely wild. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster going to Kansas City, my God, what an offense. That's you know, not fair. 
It really is. I don't know where the where the cap space is for that when you're paying Kyrie Kill, Miko Hardman, Patrick Mahomes, the money he's making. It's absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, it would be really cool to see this talent even more dispersed and, and you know, creating as much competition as possible. Devontae Adams in, uh, in Las Vegas, absolutely crazy. But, I mean, this relationship is broken. When you start putting your name out, uh, like a guy for a guy like Deshaun Watson and, and openly, you know, negotiating and, and speaking with him on, you know, in the public sphere, there's no reason you don't get that job done for any of those teams. The only, I mean, the only two teams that could have gone into this and, and could have failed without much implications were the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. And the two reasons they, you know, they can fail openly about this is because they don't have a quarterback to begin with. So, I mean, the Falcons messed up. I think it's beyond repair. Matt Ryan's not going to be a guy that's going to come out on Twitter and just say, nah, I'm out because, you know, that's not him. But I can tell you behind the scenes, he is wanting to get out of Atlanta. Uh, and and as, as as that man on Twitter, the guy who's receiving death sets may say, per sources, um, you know, talking about whatever, whatever sources he had. Uh, I'll leave it at that for that one. But, I mean, there's, there's no way Ryan comes back. Well, you're correct because those guys in the locker room would never respect him if he came back the way that he was publicly humiliated the way he was. Let's, Matt Ryan comes in in 2007. He comes into a situation in Atlanta that like nobody would have wanted to come into. They're a terrible football team coming off a public embarrassment, a terrible situation. To a fault, the man has been the face of this franchise and answered the questions and taken blame for everything. He's never thrown anybody under the bus. He's always been front and center. He's done everything the right way. He's revitalized inner city programs. He has done everything you could possibly want a quarterback to do. The only thing he hasn't done is taken pay cuts like Tom Brady. Okay, Outside of that, he's done everything. There has been a group of people that have hated Matt Ryan since day one. They were never going to give that guy a chance. Not ever. It didn't matter. Matt Ryan could have thrown for 52,000 yards in one season and 482 touchdowns, and they still would hate on him because he's not Mike Vick. I'm sorry he's not Mike Vick, but the guy saved the franchise. He's taken... He is the first quarterback in Falcons history to have back-to-back winning seasons. They have five consecutive winning seasons. He's taken them to the playoffs four or, hell, I don't know, a bunch of times. And he's taken you to a Super Bowl, which, by the way, he balled his ass off, and they should have won. That pass to Julio Jones that was an absolute laser to the sideline should have been the crowning moment of that football game. Matt Bryant should have kicked the game-icing field goal, but no, Kyle Shanahan does some dumb shit. And we lose the game. Okay. Bigger story. This is the guy that you want to publicly embarrass. Terry Fontenot, don't ever cheat on your wife. Let me tell you something. Do not ever cheat on your wife because you are dumb at at courting something new. You're going to go on a date with a side chick while you have a wife, but then you're going to Instagram story the entire date. That's what you're going to do. So your wife can watch the whole damn thing play out in front of her eyes. And then you get home when the girl's like, I ain't going to sleep with you. And you got to be like, oh, no, see, that really wasn't a date. I mean, I made it look like a date the entire time because I wanted people to think I got it like that. But it really, honey, it's, I work with her. I don't, she ain't really my girlfriend though. I mean, you gotta be stupid. Matt Ryan's sitting in this house and you are parading this stuff in front of his face. My guy has been the face of the franchise. He has done everything you could possibly want. And he's sitting there going, really? Really? Now, the flip side of that is, I really do think Deshaun Watson was headed here. I just think the Cleveland Browns pulled a godfather and we're like, I'm going to give him an offer he can't refuse. They're like, you know what? We understand that $200 million is the biggest deal you got. We're not going to give you $202 million. We're going to give you $240 million and guarantee every last damn penny of it. Baseball Almost type deal. Almost $75 million more than the second highest contract in the history of the NFL of guaranteed money, which was, I think, Josh Allen. I saw it earlier today. I don't remember. Oh, So I know it came in hot there, but this thing really irked me because – one of the greatest things about Alex Anthopoulos, and I promise I won't go back to baseball, but the biggest thing about Alex Anthopoulos is all the moves that he does, everything that he does is silent. 
He's the silent assassin. You never hear. Did you know about uh, Jorge Soler before he showed up? Nope. Did you hear about Rosario before he showed up? Nope. Did you hear about Jock Peterson before he showed up? Nope. Did you hear about the deal getting done with Olsen? Nope. Now, listen, there were people who were saying, hey, Olsen makes sense in Atlanta, but they never connected them publicly. If you're Terry Fontenot, you call the GM and you work on this deal. You don't parade it out in front of everybody to see. Now you've put yourself in a situation where I just don't see how Matt Ryan can come back here. I mean, maybe he's such a nice guy. Maybe he does anyway, right? Maybe he just does. I don't know. But if you have any pride at all, I don't, I don't know how you come back. And then, but uh, maybe this does force their hand to what they should have done anyway for this year is move Matt Ryan, get a bunch of assets for him, have a terrible season when the cap money comes off next year. Well, it's not now because you moved some more money down the road. But in the next two years, you'll have a, a wide open cap and you'll be able to get, you know, high, you know, go get some of those free agents that you might need. But to win in the NFL, this is the hardest thing for me to understand, Harrison, and I'll never understand this. Is It's not hard to go look at the history of the NFL and to see what successful programs do. Okay, there's a blueprint. And the blueprint is that you have to get a young, cheap quarterback, right? You have to hit on a quarterback, which was Matt Ryan for the first part of his career. And you have to be able to hit on your draft picks. Young, cheap labor. Young, cheap labor is the history of success to the NFL. Not going and getting high-priced free agents. The Rams, they went and got the last piece they needed in Matthew Stafford, and they were able to win the Super Bowl. But the team was built on young, draft draftable players. They were, went and got Jalen Ramsey. That was an expensive piece. And then Matthew Stafford, which was an expensive piece. But everything else was young and draftable. Explain to me how, if you would have given Deshaun Watson this deal, you're talking about $70 million over the next two, plus you would have had $60 million of dead money uh, in Matt Ryan. So in the next two years, you would have had $130 million if you're capped tied up in Matt Ryan, or tied up in quarterbacks. So out of a $218 million or whatever the uh, – cap is 130 of it is in quarterback money come on man it doesn't even make sense and and speaking about not being able to return i think what's even more embarrassing for matt ryan was kyle pitts coming out on twitter and openly flirting with the idea openly saying hey atlanta is going to be scary next year and i think were the words openly talking about deshaun Watson coming how can matt ryan come back into that locker room after that and then obviously Pitts is upset after the fact you know sends out another tweet to kind of make the situation a little bit more you know awkward uh you know I don't know and where I live I'm right here on the golf course and uh, all the Falcons live here right where I live I live uh eight miles from the Falcons training facility and there's a golf course right here and I I didn't see it but According to all my friends who live on the golf course, Cal Pitts was playing golf with Deshaun Watson earlier this week on our golf course. Now, hey, that's okay. You know, Deshaun probably still lives here. He's from Gainesville, which is right down the road. You know, I'm not saying they can't be friends, but if that's true, if he really was out here playing golf this week, that's that's bad. <laughs> that's a bad look. I mean, you're you're on your way to losing Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley wants out, publicly wants out, does wants nothing to do with Atlanta uh, from most people's perspective anymore. Obviously, I mean, the whole betting situation uh, pr- pretty much tells you what he thinks of Atlanta and where he wants to go. Now you got your quarterback, your franchise quarterback, the guy like Dan said, took you to a Super Bowl, took you to the playoffs on numerous occasions, has not showed any signs of regression. The talent around him regressed. And now you want to push him out after, you know, three or four years of fans crapping on Ryan about, hey, he's not the guy. Let's go get Justin Fields. Let's go get that guy. Matt Ryan's not the guy anymore. Now you, you, you've spent the last four years proving those fans basically right because of the deterioration of his weapons. And let me, Dan, I'm bringing out the chainsaw to this whole Matt Ryan is nowhere near where he used to be take. Matt Bring Ryan's it. not good anymore. I, I'm bringing it out. You go look at Tom Brady. 
arguably the greatest football player of all time, period. Probably the greatest quarterback of all time in many people's eyes. You look at the beginning, middle, and end of his run in New Orleans, in, in, in New England. He had weapons after weapons after weapons for the beginning, the middle, and at the end, it started to deteriorate. And you saw, everyone saw on the grand stage what happened to Tom Brady and what happened to the New England Patriots in his last few years in New England. You don't have Rob, Rob Gronkowski anymore. You lose Aaron Hernandez. You don't have Wes Walker. You don't have a healthy Julian Edelman every single year. Those weapons deteriorate, and you saw. I mean, that's one of the things that frustrated him so much was, they. I mean, they weren't getting the people that, you know, Brady needed. The receivers weren't there, weren't there his last year. The offense was not very good. It was openly regressing in front of our eyes. Belichick wanted to get rid of, Belichick wanted to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. Kraft wanted to trade Garoppolo because Brady wanted to get rid of the guy. Because Brady knew, I need weapons around me. Kind of similar to the Aaron Rodgers situations. Some first-round quarterback, Jordan Love, is not going to help me at receiver or on the offensive line. And I'm interested to see what they do out there in Green Bay. Because they're doing the same thing that Ryan has been dealing with on a much higher level than you know Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers complains about not having weapons when he had one of the best receivers in football for the longest times, and the Packers just crapped all over that. That's going to be interesting. Luckily, the ink has now dried since that thing all happened, but Ryan's not your problem. Watson would not have been your savior. You don't have anything in the trenches. You don't have very much on defense in the trenches. You got Grady Jarrett. Where's your offense? Yes, you have Kyle Pitts. Yes, you have Cordell Patterson at running back. He may be a free agent. I'm not too sure. But you look at receiver. Calvin Ridley is not there. He, he's not dependable anymore. He doesn't want to be there. Bringing in Deshaun Watson would not have helped much other than maybe getting, you know, two to 300 to 400 yards rushing a season from the guy. But he's not going to fix your franchise. He's not going to take them from basically sitting in the middle of, you know, the NFC and take them to the playoffs and, and go contend for Super Bowls. Yes, the Bengals did it with a subpar offensive line and a subpar defense. But kind of like LSU in 2019, things happen. I, I don't want to say flukes, but incredible seasons happen. And it's incredibly hard to replicate that success. No one, I don't think, is going to be able to replicate what the Bengals were able to do. Maybe, you know, they're going to get back. I don't know. Burrow looks like he's on, you know, on a track to win the Super Bowl at some point in his career. And and now they're getting better. They've improved the trenches. They're improving their weaknesses. While the Falcons are sitting here chasing a quarterback, that's not even the beginning of their problems. Yeah. And Jamar Chase isn't coming with whoever you draft anyway. It Not to mention that we don't even know for certain what the package we would have had having to give up for Deshaun Watson. So not only would we be tied up and our capital has just been absolutely destroyed. The rumor out there is that we were going to give up two ones, a two and AJ Terrell. Are you kidding me? A first round cover corner. Who's proven to be a, a pro bowl level corner and your best pick, your best pick dirt cheap right now, which I started this whole thing by saying you had to have cheap, productive labor. You found you you found a diamond in AJ Terrell, who which you know when they made that pick, I wasn't the biggest fan of that pick, but that, they've proven me wrong. That kid has been an absolute stud. You know, imagine if we can get some defensive line rush and we can get some coverage uh, in other areas to where he doesn't have to do everything himself. The guys, the guy is a cornerstone for your defense that you don't want to get. Uh, it's insane. I don't know that they were going to give him up, but yeah, that was part of, you know, a lot of people were kicking that around is that he would have to be part of the deal. So God, thank God that didn't happen. And all the draft capital, we would have had to give it up. So where, if you gave up the number eight pick and then our second round pick too, where are you going to get a receiver from? Because I guess your best receiver on your roster was Gage and he's not even here anymore. He's gone. So, who are we throwing the ball to? I mean, Kyle Pitts, okay, he's a tight end slash wide receiver hybrid, and he's really good. Cool. You got one of them. I mean, I guess Julio Jones is available. He got cut from Tennessee. Maybe he's coming back. 
after he burned every bridge in the state. I I don't know, but man, th this whole thing just got me hot because you're right. It just doesn't make any sense. The whole thing is stupid, and the, the lack of production out of Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is not the problem, but it always goes back to what I was telling you before is that there is a segment of this fan base that was never going to accept him no matter what he did. So it didn't matter. And you know what? I really do hope that he gets to go to a situation where he has a chance to make a run. And, and I hope he does it too. I hope he goes somewhere where he can be successful and he just absolutely lights the world on fire and he deserves it because he's done everything right since he's been here. He's been everything you could possibly want and more. And I remember when they drafted him, there was some talk that he wasn't good enough, didn't have a strong enough arm, that it was a bust of a pick, and the Falcons were going to regret that pick. And he's done nothing but go out there, be a consummate professional every single day, answer the bell every single time he could possibly do it. Did he make mistakes? Yes. Does he have bad games? Absolutely. But look at the other uh, alternatives. We could have been Cleveland. Cle Cleveland's gone through like 26 quarterbacks in the last 15 years or something like that. It's, I mean – He's been our guy for 12 years or 13 years or however long it's been. So thank God for Matt Ryan. And, yeah, appreciate you, Terry Faulkner, coming out here and just embarrassing the hell out of our franchise quarterback. So, you know, good deal. There is a blueprint for rebuilding this franchise. And, yes, I think you can have success by trading away Matt Ryan and rebuilding the Falcons franchise. But there's also a blueprint for rebuilding it with him still here. Yes, he's not going to want to stick around. For another three to four year rebuild. He doesn't have that many years. Matthew Stafford has now set a trend. Of hey. You know I may be at a. Poverty of a franchise. A franchise that hasn't been anything since Barry Sanders. Let me go get a deal. Let me go to a contender. And let me bring people with me. To go win a Super Bowl in my first year. In that new, in that new franchise. There is a trend there. Look at Russell Wilson. And, and I think this is where Falcon fans are getting it wrong that segment of the fan base. The Broncos have what they need, in my opinion, to trade away some of that draft capital. They got a young set of receivers. They got Melvin Gordon. They got an offensive line that they've rebuilt. They got a defense that hasn't really regressed from their time when they had Vaughn Miller and all those studs on it. They got all the capital they need right now to make a run for Super Bowls and win now. The Falcons are not in a position to win now. Getting Deshaun Watson is a win-now move. That's why Cleveland moved on from Baker Mayfield, despite the fact that Baker Mayfield was good enough last year to get him to the playoffs. Majority of the fans I've seen from Cleveland like Baker Mayfield. The only people that don't like Baker Mayfield are in that front office. Now they got Deshaun Watson, so you can't really fault them, but this is going to come. This could all come back and bite them in the butt if Deshaun Watson gets suspended and they're back to square one for a whole year, depending on, you know, what he gets, how long he gets suspended for. But anyways, you know, there, there is a blueprint for rebuilding this franchise. It's going to take not one draft, probably not two, but maybe three drafts and a couple, you know, good free agents to get this franchise back on top to where they were just a few years ago under Dan Quinn. But trading away Matt Ryan for Deshaun Watson and handicapping your team for years to come, not helping you at all. Well, yeah, I think the biggest difference in all of this is that Cleveland Browns are a ready-made team to win the Super Bowl. They were just a quarterback away, a quarter, consistent quarterback play, or I don't want to say average because you can't be I – mean, they, they, need, they need play, really good play out of the quarterback position. But the other part of that too is – Guys want to play with Deshaun. So William Fuller, who's the best receiver that were that uh help me, Texans have, is like best buddies with him. So he's gonna to want to go up there and play with him. So you know, I, I heard um gosh, what who was it? Um guy on ESPN radio today. He came on uh, the radio and he was just talking about the Devontae Adams situation where he was sick of Aaron Rodgers. He's sick of Aaron Rodgers and all this crap. He didn't want to be there anymore, so he got himself out and he went and got paid, and he got paid out with the Raiders. Or a good situation for him, but you know Aaron Rodgers is destroying that locker room with his crap that he's been pulling, and you know now here in Atlanta, Matt Ryan's the opposite. He's trying to hold everything together in Cleveland. Baker Mayfield is 
doing a million commercials and then a lot of the guys on the team apparently don't feel like he's committed to winning. So, you know, I, the way that they talked about on the radio today is that you probably see Baker Mayfield end up in Seattle in this musical thing or whatever. They think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to end up in Cincinnati or in uh, Indianapolis. And there was a, you know, obviously we talked about this before about possibly Tom Brady ending up in uh, San Francisco because that's where he wants to be. And then you could possibly have Matt Ryan going down to Tampa Bay. How would that be? I mean, all these quarterbacks spreading out across the league. I mean, obviously in Seattle, you're going to go through a massive, massive rebuild. You know, it is possible that we see a DK Metcalf get moved. It is possible we see a Tyler Lockett get moved. Get Seattle fully into a full-blown rebuild because they don't have full weapons. Now, if you get Baker Mayfield, the maybe, maybe that helps keep D, uh, help keep DK and Tyler Lockett at least settled for now. But I, it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I would love to see Jimmy G in Indianapolis. I think there is a player in Jimmy G. You just got to have him the right system. I think Indianapolis fits him well, um, but I could also see Indianapolis fitting Matt Ryan pretty well if they can upgrade their receiving corps, uh, you know, to a good to really good level. Like, you know, I don't think they'll get a Julio Jones like Ryan had for years, but th- there is potential there for Ryan in Indianapolis and, and among some other franchises. So, Dan, what's what's next? Do you trade Ryan now? and draft a rookie quarterback, or do you trade them and go look at someone in free agency, pick them up, and start scouting for next year? Next year's class, which is going to have, I think it's Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I, I don't want any part of Bryce Young uh, in the NFL. I think Bryce Young is going to end up being like Tua. He's so small. I, I It's going to be hard to keep him healthy. And you can tell me that there are examples of guys who are little that have success, okay? But there's a reason there's only a couple of them. Because it's very hard. Like Drew Brees was not a big guy, but he didn't take hits. Okay, Bryce Young's game. I could be completely wrong. Okay, he might end up being the next greatest quarterback in the history of the world. I just, I would have a hard time trying to put my franchise in the hand of somebody who's the size of a hood ornament. So that's not the guy I want. I don't see anybody. Like apparently the Falcons are in love with um, a kid from Ole Miss. Uh, Oh, Matt Corral. Yeah, Matt Corral. I, I I think he's gritty and you know, he can make some throws and stuff like that, but just not a big guy. I, I I'm just the type of guy who likes the big quarterback, but who knows? But yeah, according to Michael Rothstein here, I'm looking at this uh, about the the breakdown on the Matt Ryan. He thinks it, the most logical path for the Falcons moving forward would be get some draft picks, draft capital by moving him to either the Colts or the Seahawks. They he likes the Seahawks situation. They have the extra draft picks that they got for Russell Wilson. So potentially a late first rounder, late second rounder, something like that. Not a really high draft pick because of Matt Ryan's age. You know, it would be unreasonable to expect a, a really high first round pick. So if you get a back end of the first round or maybe, you know, maybe a second round pick for him, that, that would be a pretty good, a pretty good haul for somebody who's at the late stage of his career, the way he is and the cap hit that comes along with him. So, you know, you could take a chance on your quarterback in that situation if you want to give Matt Corral, but, you know, that's a that's hedging a lot. You'd have to kind of be willing to go with, like, Rosen as your starting quarterback, or maybe you could bring in somebody like uh, Garter Minshew, who's a free agent, you know, just to kind of stem the tide, or, or then you're going to see one of the guys like Nick Foles or uh, uh, Fitzmagic. Yeah, one of those guys. Who knows? Marcus Mariota. Since since Atlanta fans have you know such an affection for mobile QBs, go get Marcus Mariota and, and see what he does back in the starting role. Or Jameis Winston, for God's sake, Atlanta, make Jameis Winston great again. Uh, <laughs> you know, take him back to his Florida State days. My God, I mean, yeah, I, I'm at the point where I think. Ryan's going to have to get moved. Calvin Ridley's going to have to get moved. And the key with Calvin Ridley, you don't move Calvin Ridley until that suspension is up. Because I don't you think you can. Yeah, you can't. I mean, yeah, you can't. And even if you tried, I mean, 
you ain't getting nothing for him. No, I, uh, I don't know if you guys follow the Falcoholic, but if you don't, you should follow the Falcoholic. And he says, you know, we got to be the worst guy, the worst team in the history of football. Uh, he's like, how, how do we always end up in these situations? And I, you know, I can't use the language on here that he used, but I was just like, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> we find a way to screw it up bigger than anybody else. So, if you thought the Brave situation was bad, this is a hundred times worse. I mean, so Atlanta's lost Freddie Freeman and Matt Ryan pretty much in the same week. I mean, things have gone downhill in Ryan's case and, and look like he's going to be out the door. Who's next? Trey Young? God forbid Trey Young uh, is the next one, the next star uh, in the exodus of Atlanta star power. So, guys, all the hope is riding on Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, and Matt Olson, and Trey Young to carry Atlanta sports forward over the next few years because Matt Ryan's gone, or is going to be gone. Freddie Freeman's gone. I mean, Freddie Freeman's out in L.A. Hope to God we see some Braves-Dodgers matchups going forward in the world in the playoffs. Would love to see the Dodgers get knocked off once again by the Braves. But, Dan, let's, let's wrap it up. What are your final thoughts on, on everything that has gone down this week? If there's any way that we could trade uh, the Falcons to Winnipeg for the Thrashers and get them back, I, I would take that deal right today. And that's about how I feel about the Falcons right now. <laughs> well, guys, that's my you final heard it thoughts. Here. You heard it here first. Dan Kylie wants a hockey team back in Atlanta. I wouldn't be opposed to it. I I I would like to go see a hockey game. I'm I'm in Hurricane Country as we speak. Haven't ever been to a hurricane game, so shoot. Hot take is the best in-person sport in the world. If you go to, uh, it doesn't translate to TV. Go to one of the games, pay the money. It's expensive. Go watch a hockey game in person. It is the greatest in-person game there is. Now, what what what's the best experience to watch on TV? Got to be football, right? Football, college absolutely. Football. College or NFL, uh, just the, the television presentation, the stuff that they give you, the insight, the different camera angles. Football is by, they have figured it out better than anybody else. Football is by far the best television product in the world. Sorry, March Madness. I, I'm not saying the other ones suck. I'm just saying it's, yeah. <laughs> it's the best. They, they do it the best. The presentation is the best. It, I would rather stay home and watch a football game than be in the stadium. I, I know that, that there's a lot of people who just love the atmosphere, but not me. I I love the comfort of my ho- home. My bathroom is clean. My beer is colder and a hell of a lot cheaper. <laughs> now, I'm the reverse way about baseball, uh, Major League Baseball specifically. I would much rather be in Truist Park watching a Braves game than sitting at home and watching a Braves of game. Of course. That's my take. I mean, those seats are absolutely amazing no matter where you sit. Well, and the other thing about a baseball game is there's no clock, right? It's it's uh, elite. That's why I don't understand the speeding up thing. I, I love just going to a baseball game, sitting there, enjoying the atmosphere, watching the game. You're not in a hurry. You're relaxed. And there's something about a stadium dog. Is there not? I, I don't eat hot dogs anywhere else in the world other than baseball games. I don't eat them in a basketball game, football game, anywhere else. There's just something about the way a hot dog tastes at a ball game. I, I can't explain it. And I'm not alone in this. I promise you I'm not alone in this. I guess I'll, I guess I'll need to try a stadium dog next time I go to a Braves game. And it, and it won't be too long, too, too far into the future because, man, oh, man, does that Braves-Dodger ticket look so beautiful coming up. And, I mean, final thing, and we will move move y'all on and, and move on in our lives till next, next Monday. Dan – is there bad blood brewing between Freeman and the Braves? And maybe not for an office to Freeman himself, for Freeman's camp, but the fans to Freeman. What is that reception looking into the future in June? I think if he would have played it the right way, where I, I think if he would have just come out and said, "Hey, I love you guys, I appreciate it, but I, you know, I want to go home," I think. Of course, there's always going to be the idiot that boos you regardless, okay? 
and that's a whole nother thing booing somebody. It's like, really? Come on, like grow up. But at the same time, yeah, I think there I, I think there is going to be um a little bit of a tainted legacy with Freddie Freeman. I'm not gonna say he gets booed. I'm sure people will boo, but I don't think it's as bad. Like a lot of us are emotional right now or angry right now, and he's not handling it exactly the right way. But I think long term, people are going to remember all the great things that he did here. And for God's sakes, he brought the first major sports championship to this town since 1995. You were not born the last time the Braves or any franchise won anything here in Atlanta. And they, oh yeah, the MLS won something. Who gives a crap? Like, like <laughs> no, no, but that doesn't count. Okay. Shout out Atlanta United from Dan Kylie. I know. I listen. I played. I played soccer in high school. I love soccer, but that doesn't count to the to the masses here in Atlanta. That doesn't count. Okay. It's got to be Falcons, Falcons, Braves, uh, Falcons, Braves, Hawks, or Dogs. And you know, ninety five. So Freddie Freeman did that. He's the guy. I mean, if Freddie Freeman doesn't hit the home run against the Brewers, we don't go to the next round. I mean. Freddie Freeman saved our ass. You realize that, right? Like Freddie Freeman is the reason that we moved on in the playoffs in the, in the play in the wild card game or whatever. F- Freeman saved us. So I'll forever be grateful for that, but he didn't exactly handle the exit the right way. And, and there's some people pretty upset about it, but long-term I think it'll be fine. But the, in the immediate, I'm sure there, I'm sure there'll be a, a, a spattering of booze. And just to wrap it up real quick, I am just happy in the end. Freeman's last at bat as an Atlanta Brave wearing that number five in in the Braves' colors was a home run. To, nope. I, I think it was to deep center. And the last play he ever made was catching the ball for the World Series title win. And pocketing it almost immediately. Good for him. Guys, that's going to wrap it up for this special edition bonus Top Dog Talk podcast i you know we're back in mid-season form two episodes in one week that's mid-season form right there that was dan kylie's ladies and gentlemen i'm harrison reno we will see you back again tuesday morning early tuesday morning we're getting this thing out at 6 a.m every day so you can have it on your morning commute and if you don't finish it up on your morning commute uh because atlanta traffic's not good enough for you well then you got it on your way home got dan Tell them where they can find you real quick, and we'll hop off and enjoy our Friday night. At Dan Kylie three on Twitter, and haven't had any interaction so far. So I hope I hope you guys are listening. I hope you guys like it, and tell your friends, rate, like, subscribe, do all that stuff on all the different platforms. Share it, get the word out. We got uh, some hot takes coming on over here. Shout out to the gentleman dance friend last. Uh, this past Monday that gave us a segment to talk about absolutely send us in some segments send us things you want us to talk about because I mean we'll we'll spit whether it's it's you know Matt Ryan you know for for MVP next year or uh, Stetson Bennett for Heisman you say it we will talk it guys football is back ladies and gentlemen baseball's right around the corner at well at least the regular season guys we will see you back on Tuesday for episode 35 of the Top Dog Talk podcast